You're listening to 1001 Album Club, where each episode we discuss a different album from Robert Demery's book, 1001 Albums Must Here Before You Die. For this episode, we'll be talking about David Bowie, Low. In the room, I have Anne. Hello. And on the line, I have Rob. Ahoy, hoy. John. Hi. Ben. Hello. And Kyle. Hi there. Low is the 11th studio album by English singer-songwriter David Bowie, released on the 14th of January, 1977, by RCA Records. The producer was David Bowie and Tony Visconti. The genre is art rock, avant-pop, electronic, ambient, uh, experimental rock, and I'm going to read a review from Stephen Thomas Irwine of All Music Review. Following with the avant-garde inclinations of station to station, yet explicitly breaking with David Bowie's past, Low is a dense, challenging album that confirms his place as rock's cutting edge. Driven by dissonant synthesizers and electronics, Low is divided between brief angular songs and atmospheric instrumentals. Throughout the record's first half, the guitars are jagged and the synthesizers drone with a menace robotic pulse, while Bowie's vocals are unnaturally layered and overdubbed. During the instrumental half, the electronics turn cool, which is a relief after the intensity of the preceding avant-pop. Half the credit for Lowe's success goes to Brian Eno, who explored similar ambient territory on his own releases. Eno functioned as a conduit for Bowie's ideas, and in turn, Bowie made the experimentalism of not only Eno, but of the German synth group Kraftwerk and the post-punk group Wire respectable, if not quite mainstream. Though a handful of the vocal pieces on Low are accessible, the record is definitely experimental and dense with detail, providing a new direction for the avant-garde in rock and roll. All right, what do we think of David Bowie Low? You guys, I really, I, love it. I really like you guys. <laughs> well, I think, I think it's good. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> one of the best Bowie albums, if not one of the best albums of 1970s. I'm just gonna put it absolutely mm-hmm. favorite David Bowie record. Yeah. Really favorite. Yeah, I'm wondering that now. Hearing it again, it just keeps getting better and better. But maybe that's yeah. because it's, it's a little bit fresher. It does it. It doesn't have the, I haven't heard it a hundred times. Like I've heard Ziggy and and some of the other Bowie albums. Well-recorded, tight execution, experimental as all get out. It's beautiful. Yeah, all the different soundscapes and like bleeps and bloops that are being brought to the table are, they're really inventive. Like they're not the same bloops you've heard before. (laughs) Except for Pac-Man. Oh, well, but but at this point, I had, no one had heard Pac-Man. Right, exactly. Like, when did, Pac-Man. Like, this is 77. Like, 
this is like right on the edge, the cutting edge of a Pac-Man. Pac-Man <laughs> yeah. is based on this? Is that what we're saying? Well, uh, especially at the beginning of uh, What in the World, the mm-hmm. the one with Bowie on backing vocals, mm-hmm. that blip, bloop, blip, bloop, <laughs> like running through the beginning of it is, is very Pac-Man. Mm-hmm. But I like it. I was not familiar with this record. Yeah, this week was uh, this week was like a first time hearing it all like start to start to finish. So, what had you heard from? Maybe, it? man, that's a good question. I uh, sound and vision. I know sound and vision. Uh, I had heard what in the world before, and I think someone had played me some of side two. You know, but uh, you know, in in my twenties at a party, I wasn't really paying attention to side two of low. <laughs> Shocking. <laughs> yeah, I mean, would you would you call side side two is not it's not ambient, but what do you call that where you've got these kind of sound uh, instrumentals? Yeah, yeah, instrumentals with very limited vocals or ch- like sort of like um, not actual lyrics, but just sounds being made by Bowie's mouth. <laughs> you know, it, without putting it in the craft work, uh, noi. You know, all the all the sort of. Uh, Kraut rock bands without putting it in that genre. Yeah, I mean it. I mean it falls right into that. I mean I guess like yeah, it's it's some of that um, well, cosmic music or whatever, right? Yeah. Like music, cosmic music. Yeah, I, I think it definitely has that on side too. But there's all sorts of other stuff on top of that. Like Weeping Wall has like almost a, a, a Balinese gamelan sound to the drums. Like it's not and, and that's what I really like about the album is it's not just plain electronica like you know German electronica style it's got other like world influence and and funk stuff on top yeah I mean I think that I was thinking about this week and Bowie h- how many albums have we had of Bowie how many more we'll have six this is our six I actually just yeah. counted oh, wow but his 11th yeah I think <laughs> tenth <laughs> I think. I, I was actually I was looking at the insert of the CD and it's got like you can buy his whole catalog. And uh, <laughs> so if that's to be believed, this is 10 and we've covered six of them. Yeah. Um, Which but, is a crazy batting record. Yeah, it's it's really yeah, he good. Was, he was 26 when he did this. Wow. Whoa. Damn. Oh, so this anything. It would be, uh, I don't know, whatever you would call side two of any of the Eno records we've covered in the past few months um, because it, it it's all like pop up front and then like instrumental ambient works on the back end. Uh, only difference with Bowie is like he's keeping that uh, funk rock uh, aspect going through it as well. Um, and, and that's what differentiates it from the, uh, uh, the crap rock that he was so influenced by when making this record is just the uh, ke- keeping the rock and roll there, but then taking in the uh, rock, which is uh, what the crap, uh, or what the Germans were working on, or making their own rock and roll, I guess. Um, how familiar are all of you with the like the rest of the trilogy, like the Berlin trilogy? With like not very heroes. I know yeah. heroes. Uh, Lodger is kind of new to me, but I, we're not going to cover Lodger in this, unfortunately. Oh, really? Yeah, uh, we're only getting the uh, yeah heroes and uh, and low, but no, not 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 very at all with Lodger. Yeah, I was just curious. When I got into uh, Low, I mean, for the first time, I, I got into it at the same time as, as those other two records. And, like, they're almost inseparable. And they're just so evocative of the same kind of feeling of alienation and sadness and aggression. And uh, I don't know. I just, I feel like they're all kind of, like, part of a trilogy. 
And revisiting this, there was a lot of things I thought that I knew about it because I got really into those albums when I was like in my very early 20s uh, and kind of going back and kind of, you know, looking more into it. Uh, a lot of my assumptions assumptions were kind of challenged. Uh, right? what, what, like, like what? Yeah. Such as, okay, the song Always Crashing in the Same Car. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, one of my favorite songs off the record. It's It's beautiful. It's melancholy. It's sad. And I had been told when I was young that it was about uh, Mark Boland dying. Mm. Uh, but do you guys know the story behind that song? The, the I, I read something this week. Yeah. 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 <laughs> he uh, was driving around Berlin, uh, possibly with Iggy Pop, uh, coked out of his gourd. Uh, thinks he sees like a drug dealer in the street who wronged him and like rammed his Mercedes into this guy's car several times. Uh, then fleed back to a hotel and drove around in circles. <laughs> And yeah, uh, like which the parking garage. completely with the lyrics, but I, I thought it was something completely different uh, up until a few days ago, and I was kind of shook. <laughs> well, because it's that's such really a chill literal. song for being about that crazy day. Yeah, that's like a really literal. <laughs> like he's literally saying what happened, but it it feels like a great metaphor, right? Like for sure, always, it's about you know always making the same mistakes, right? Which is Absolutely. this is also like a recovery album, I guess, sort of. If he was. On cocaine in Berlin, maybe not. <laughs> like, maybe it wasn't well, there. Yeah, a recovery with being on the drug, right? So. Yeah. <laughs> well, th- everything's complicated. I get it, but like, yeah. maybe that was how the guy wronged him <laughs> by selling, <laughs> by selling him cocaine. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> now give me the drugs I want. <laughs> well, another thing I thought was that Brian Eno produced this record. He did not. No, uh, it was no, Tony Visconti. Uh, yeah. yeah. But he is very, uh, like, he is on this album. <laughs> like, yeah, he's yeah. very prominent. He's listed a lot as miscellaneous. <laughs> <laughs> That's very on brand for Eno. <laughs> yes, yeah. Sure is. <laughs> well, Visconti is, like, also very prevalent on this album, but in other weird ways. Like, his wife sings backup vocals, and his, I think, four-year-old is on uh, Warsaw just playing A, B, C over and over again. That's That's Tony Visconti's kid. Doing the notes in Warsaw, the side two track one. <laughs> Man, how cool would it be to be on a Bowie album at four? I, yeah, like... I don't know if he's getting any royalties or anything. <laughs> so it's actually him. It's not just that he was doing that and Eno I, used the I think melody. Eno, Eno I think, played it. I think Eno oh, just Eno used the melody. Working. Yeah. Uh, he based it, it on was. the four-year-old. Yeah. <laughs> hey, man, if you hear something good, just go with it. Yeah, that track is crazy, too, because it has Bowie on Bowie on Bowie, right? Like 110 Bowie voices on Warsaw, which apparently he recorded all 110 of his tracks in 20 minutes. (laughs) That's a professional man. (laughs) That's how it goes. I know that like, like station to station, the cover of low, that photo is from the man who fell to earth. And I don't know the answer to this. I was wondering, maybe any of side two, do you know, is, was any of that, maybe did it start out as leftovers from the score he was working on? That's what I read. Yeah. It depends um, on who you ask, yeah. 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 What did okay. Bowie say about it? Do you know, Kyle? Yeah. Well, I know, uh, is it Weeping Wall? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, Weeping Wall, uh, Eno has said, oh, that was a song from uh, The Man Who Sold the World that Bowie was working on, and he was like, no. So... You know, I don't know. <laughs> they probably don't really know, you know. <laughs> they don't really know was, what happened in that room anyway. Yeah. <laughs> it was a foggy time for Bowie. Going yeah, it was. <laughs> do, you, do you know that the cover is supposed to be a visual goof? Yeah. Yeah, I read that. T- t- say it, what it is, John. So, I mean, and I, I didn't get it when I saw it because I'm just not that sharp. But the album's title is Low. And on the cover beneath the title is David Bowie in a very stylish, like, 
hoodie and jacket in profile. So it's low profile. (laughs) Which also was the reason he was in Berlin was they, according to him, they didn't give a shit about American rockers and he could just keep a low profile just living quietly in Berlin. Yeah, I thought that was really cool. Yeah. It, like you were saying, and uh, it's a bit of a recovery. Or I said album. American rockers. I meant British, sorry. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> European. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We'll colonize them with this one, right? Yeah. Well, I mean, West, West Berlin is as close to the border as you can get between, like, Western and Eastern culture, right? talk about uh tony visconti real quick is that okay uh so i'm doing this project is is really interesting i'm learning a lot more about producers who's producing what i thought it was really cool to see him keep popping up and be sort of an inspirational figure and interesting figure um but i thought it was crazy how he got involved with bowie and going to berlin and eno and everything but they asked him, you know, he had he had worked with them sporadically uh, since the 60, late 60s, I think early 70s. But when uh, when Bowie and Eno were uh, asking him and being like, hey, are you willing to waste a month on experiments that might result in nothing? Uh, Visconti replied, quote, wasting a month of my time with David Bowie and Brian Eno is not wasting a month of, of my time. <laughs> right. <Correct answer>. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, hot damn. <laughs> yeah, I just I find it so fascinating too to put all the pieces together that we've been doing with krautrock bands. Um, craft like I had no idea Bowie was driving around just blasting craft work and getting yeah. coked out of his gourd like in Berlin. <laughs> That's, I told you that when we were uh, doing yeah. uh, Train Zero Express, man. Yeah, yeah, he was, <laughs> yeah. Fucking <laughs> loving that shit. Um, the cocaine and craft work. Um, <laughs> yeah, m- moves to Berlin to clean up. Luckily, Berlin was the smack capital of the world, <laughs> as opposed to LA being the coke capital of the world. So, and he wasn't too into heroin. So, uh, eventually, he got his shit together. <laughs> <laughs> Meaning, he, he he wised up and well, started doing if, other drugs. If you're if you're super high on an upper and everybody else yeah. is on heroin, you probably like <laughs> yeah, you got to shift something, right? Yeah, man. Uh, like, I don't know when Bowie officially cleaned up. I remember was it Live Aid uh, that he did? Like, where there, there's a video of him doing a large arena like rock thing and he is just fucking just high as fuck oh it's probably glass spiders is it 1987 (laughs) it might have been 87 (laughs) dear lord (laughs) it was it was bad uh but yeah apparently substance abuse is uh that's where dancing in the streets came from right 
the dancing in the streets video, I believe. Yeah. Oh, dancing in the street. I forgot about that one. (laughs) (laughs) And I, I recently, I think it's been up online for a while, but that video that someone made of dancing in the street where it's supposed to be just Bowie's and Jagger's vocals isolated, but it's just (laughs) someone doing a Bowie and a Jagger impression, (laughs) but it's got like the sound effects of like when they're outside you can hear like the crickets. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. It's Uh, funny. Uh, Pitchfork did place this number one on top 100 albums of 1970s. Really? Yeah. I think someone put it, yeah, someone put it as the number one album of all time as well. Uh, like, out of a uh, of quite a bit, I forget which uh, which one of these lists. That's that's gives that's shit. pretty tough, but <laughs> I could see someone making an argument. I mean, it's. I was just gonna say, like, especially like like the back half that's so experimental. There's so much many elements of that that feel like really prescient. There's some that like feel like they could be a song right now. Like I. Let me see. One of them, the beginning, I was like, this could just be now. Subterraneous. Subterraneous. It's just like the way, like until it hits the sort of disco beat and like maybe places itself more with the rest of the album and in that era, it's just like, this is right now. Like it reminded me a little bit of Solange. Like I was just like, whoa. It feels. I agree. And also like the second half reminds me of Black Star in some ways too like it there's a lot of echoes and like the saxophone stuff just felt like he carried this through other parts of his career later and like it's awesome i'm he really f- into it he <laughs> figured out how to make a harmonica work on the the uh <laughs> the song we're listening to right now yeah new, is this a new, uh, career, new, new career, career? Yeah. Yeah. yeah new career ever sweet harmonica yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> Usually harmonicas yeah, this, this are so episode, sharp, but this one feels good. It's not this behind the mix. Me of, it reminds me of the uh, uh, the the cosmic uh, like the cosmic music because I don't know how to pronounce things. But I, I just I wrote down reminds me of Krat Rock with harmonica. Yeah, I'm into it. Yeah, yeah. Like this could be the back half of Audubon, and but the uh, the the drums and the harmonica just like flip it ever so slightly <laughs> so fucking cool man let's talk about those drums they're recorded really yeah. cool yeah. It, it, but it's only the snare right is that the only thing they have the even tied on or is it everything i heard everything yeah it's probably everything so can you explain what the even tied h910 harmonizer is ben because i have no idea i could take a good stab at it but rob could probably do a better job i'll let birch handle it uh, well i was gonna <laughs> say visconti says it fucks with the fabric of time. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's a flux capacitor? <laughs> it's powered by Liberian plutonium? Yeah. These Visconti quotes really make me want to hang out with Tony Visconti. Yeah, yeah. Bowie asked him what it did, and he's, that's what he told him. <laughs> and so Bowie was like, of course we're putting it on everything. <laughs> but please, Can we get one? What can we do with it? Please, please, uh... Go ahead and actual uh, expi- explanation, yeah, if, you, if you will. Um, I mean, the best of my knowledge, it's just a uh, it's a harmonizer and a delay that you can it, when you when you turn the knobs, it makes uh, it makes things sound goofy when you run things through it. I don't know the the nitty gritty specifics into how it does the things it does. Um, I know Visconti got a really early one, um, 
and they're incredibly expensive. Uh, the the old ones. I was looking for clones of it online. I couldn't find shit. Yeah, um, yeah. yeah. I would be surprised though if you couldn't get a plug-in or if, if it didn't. You couldn't use a harmonizer and just add a delay. Obviously, it's not the same thing, but you could still get a, a similar effect. Yeah, e- Eventide makes a whole bunch of plugins. Um, but as far as just like hardware is concerned, I, I couldn't find anything uh, on it. Not that I would know what the hell to do with it. <laughs> the harmonizer, is that like, I've seen people use effect, especially like singer songwriters in a bar or something like that uh, on their vocal mic where they can like click a foot pedal and it will harmonize their own voice, make it sound like that, like for a chorus, yeah. make it sound like there's two voices, one they're singing like a fifth apart or whatever. So. So they're just putting that through the drums. So it sounds like you have multiple drum sets in harmony with each other and also some delay. I think the delay is what's giving the snare that weird fucking sound uh, that. Yeah. But yeah, that that I had never even like when I started reading, I was like, yeah, I guess that those drums do sound really good. Oh, that's why they sound so good. And I love that uh, that Visconti. Uh, anytime someone would ask him, he would just go, "Well, what do you think I used on it?" And he didn't tell anybody for like a decade. If you had a, a time travel machine, you wouldn't tell people about it. Hell no! I don't <laughs> Plus, you'd want yeah. their tips on how to time travel differently in case your machine oh, yeah. ever broke, right? Like, True. You stick it's it an in interesting, something like a DeLorean, like art question, right? <laughs> yeah, make it a little more subtle. Yeah. Do you guys think that? Uh, Badalamente and Philip Glass like this album. Oh my god! <laughs> I didn't like. Absolutely. Didn't Philip Glass to the point? Didn't he write like a like a symphony uh, like inspired yeah. by? Yeah, I read Lowe? that. Yeah, on the inter- I was like, oh, I want to. Oh, I definitely want to listen to that. Have, has anybody heard it? No, no. But, but it, it makes so much sense. Like when you hear Weeping Wall and you hear that like repeated key on Weeping Wall, you're like, oh, that's that's Philip Glass. <laughs> like, <laughs> you know, he's he's gonna take that in a heartbeat. Yeah, yeah, a lot of inspiration from this album. Really interested in hearing that. uh, I I would say too, it probably brought, even though I think Kraut, you know, Kraut Rock was still, it it wasn't completely hidden. I'm sure with a high profile like David Bowie, it's just gonna, I mean, it just brings it more to the forefront and ambient music and people exploring the ambient music. I can imagine people being introduced to that type of music through this album. For sure. On the liner notes, did he give any shout outs to anybody or was it? I I, I never checked the inside sleeve. Um, Good. Good point. I did not read that. But uh, as much as he was saying that, I would imagine so. Huh? I mean, he must be listening to Noi and and Kraftwerk and probably Tangerine Dream. I mean, that's what's available right now, right? Those are maybe Tamita. Yeah, can as well can for sure yeah i mean i i guess having him just roll around in a uh, uh in his mercedes blasting uh craft work and telling everybody he saw how uh, how much he loved craft work um you know is is about as good as you can get as far as like uh here's some attention to a, mu- a tiny music scene in uh right. <laughs> yeah in germany sometimes it gets on
upon the release, low divided critics. You don't R- say. RCA refused to release the album for three months, fearing poor commercial performance, but it surpassed Station to Station on the UK album charts, peaking number two and reached number 11 on the US Billboard 200 charts. That so. uh, den- that denial letter he got from RCA, he hung <laughs> up on his wall. <laughs> <laughs> so the, the single off the album was what? Sound and Vision? Sound and Vision, uh, first single. The big radio hit. I love uh, that song. Number 69 on the U.S. Billboard Hot 100. Uh, nice. Number three. Number three. No. Yeah, number three in the U.K. Number six in Germany. Mm. Yeah. So, not very popular <laughs> here. US. Yeah, we probably hadn't fully... In, we, we don't fully in, embrace Bowie till Let's Dance, right? Yep. That's when we get on board with the Bowie. <laughs> Much to my chagrin. <laughs> yeah, no, it, 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 it kind of lines up when Bowie started selling stock of himself. That, uh, it, it, yeah, but like the how Bowie got so rich was he was uh, he was selling stock, like uh, of his name, um, right around the time where Wall Street was a very big deal. Uh, uh-huh. And then, uh, then yeah, that eighty swagger invest? came in and everyone loved it. I I was you know a, a two or three year old, so no. <laughs> I will say that uh, in 2001, I had an online subscription to BowieNet, which was a competitor to Net Zero. <laughs> like it was dial-up internet, but it was David Bowie brand. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Two months, yeah, wasn't great. But how was the connection? Also- uh, it took a long time to hear some demos for like Heathen. <laughs> Not great. Two stars. Was the dialogue <laughs> at least more interesting? <laughs> like uh-huh. a different tone? Yeah, I don't know. I had the shitty dial-up. Bleeps and bloops from Lowe in the dial-up connection. Ooh. <laughs> Be worth I, it. They might have been from Lowe. They might have been from the telephone company. <laughs> uh, I did read, too, about the recording. We were talking about some of the interesting recording they use. Um, there was a mic next to Bowie's mouth, another... Uh, 15, 20 feet away, and another at the far end of the room to catch the reverb. Uh, so a lot of that inspired a lot of people, including obviously one of uh, who we're familiar with, Steve Albini, copied it for something like Nirvana's All Apologies. Um, and a lot of, you know, a lot of people use that trick now as to, or they'd probably just do it in the computer, but, you know, Back then, that was sort of unique to have those vocals delayed in a in a in a space and then played back at the same time. That was really cool. So so many like innovations on this. This was written in West Berlin, but mostly recorded in in France. Is that right? At like some that's, sort of manner in that's France? what I read. Mm-hmm. Chateau de Heroville. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, 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 God, heroes. What are we going to call the next Heroville. <laughs> Heroville? I checked. It's not the same chateau as Funky Chateau. No, it's not the Funky Chateau. Although that would have been, been really cool. I was just going to say, we've covered multiple albums that were recorded at the Funky Chateau, which I forget the actual chateau name. Uh, so I had to double check. It wasn't, it wasn't this one. It's not. Go ahead, Rob. Uh, I had my information incorrect. Bowie bonds weren't issued until 1997. So oh, so we could have gotten in there. Came out. Yeah, we, we, we should have gotten in there. I was 17. <laughs> well, I had how my much confirmation money. <laughs> uh, I think a lot. <laughs> like, 
I think a lot. I don't know. I'm not, I'm not going to jump off this thing to go look up more about Bowie Bonds. No, that's um, fine. I'm just wondering if you knew. Yeah, <laughs> I don't. Then for the next Bowie thing, I, I'll I'll have a spreadsheet in front of me though. Okay, um, <laughs> you'll be you'll you'll tell us what the net worth is, and you'll be uh, investing. <laughs> exactly. We should, we should all be investing in this dead man. Uh, what do you hey, guys Kyle think about Russell. the song uh, "Breaking Glass"? The song is I great, love that song. dude. I dig it. I love that song so much. Do you remember so, uh, you put that on a mix for me? That's how I like sure got I into low. Cool, <laughs> yeah. cool. Yeah, it's just it's so angry and paranoid and weird. Like, yeah. And like the the lyrics, like if you print them out, it's just like a paragraph. You know, paragraph. like it's it's not like a verse or chorus or anything. And is isn't it just correct me if I'm wrong? Isn't it just like pretty much a description of what he did to that house he was staying in when he was recording station to station, like drawing all over the floor and stuff like that. Yeah. He drew like Aleister Crowley shit. Over the place. <laughs> yeah. He's like, don't look at the carpet. And stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it's just a weird like whatever that that, that one line is like. Don't look at the carpet. I drew something awful on it. Like, yeah. see, that's great. Yeah, that's what I'm gonna say the next time I do a mistake. Just don't look at yeah. it. <laughs> as long as you say it in rhythm, it'll be fine. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'll, I'll say this: one of the reasons why I avoided the whole record for so long was uh, like back in the uh, the early days of Kyle and Mai's band when we would go on trips, uh, put a tape on, drive to Cincinnati, play a show. But that tape that you would put on, um, if it was something that Kyle knew, but I didn't know, he would sing the whole fucking thing at me. <laughs> so I actively avoided listening to this record <laughs> with Kyle in the car because I didn't want to get sung at. Are you serious? Absolutely. I did the same thing with Ben. Same with Genesis with Abacab? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, ben with uh, fucking uh, Murder, uh, City, Murder Devils. City Devils. Yeah. yeah. What? Could not, could not listen to that band because you would I'm just sorry like, I'm sorry I'm saying that at you, well, man. you know how to <laughs> fix that problem. I appreciate wrong. this honesty. <laughs> you, you, you grab a wooden spoon and start singing at me. I feel like uh... <laughs> A door yeah, has I, been unlocked. I missed a lot. I missed a lot because I didn't want to get sung at. Because it's hard to listen. It's like someone like narrating a movie to you when you're trying to watch oh it for God. the first time. It sucks. No, no, I, I get it. It does suck. I suppose. But I, I, I did listen to Breaking Glass, and I thought that that song was great. Uh, yeah, Breaking Glass, Sound and Vision were the only two I knew on this, and then the rest of it's just been a very happy surprise this past week. So. Thank you, Kyle. I had a present for myself that I gave to myself on my in, in my forties because I refused to listen Deprived to yourself of twenty years of awesome music. <laughs> <laughs> Rob, listening to it in his headphones now, can hear things that he wouldn't be able to hear in the van, like when they pan the synth left to right and right to left uh, in class. Like it does all sorts of cool stuff. So you know, there's something to be said for saving it. But I wanted to hear how Birch, because I think Birch was about to say, "How do you fix the problem of of?" Kyle and Ben singing at you. Yeah. <laughs> I guess you, 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 well, I think I told you once, but it, it just, it never stuck. 
So, I, I, yeah, just not hang out with your friends is, no. is the best <laughs> no, way. No, the to answer to is to listen to the album and learn the, <laughs> learn the lyrics could, and sing along. You could listen to it not Wait, in the you car. Told me what? <laughs> <laughs> Rob, I was there with you. I'm like, well, we don't live in the same house anymore, so it's not really that much of an issue. Now I, I just sing you. at my wife. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> Ruin things for her. <laughs> I told you once. Now I'll never listen to David Bowie again. <laughs> just, just out of spite. <laughs> All right, I don't think uh, we need to go around the room to is because is everybody on the positive? Is yeah, there yeah. any oh, question? Eight fucking okay. plus, man. Wait, yeah. wait. Yeah. I saw David Bowie perform uh, "Be My Wife" in 2004 on the reality tour, and it was excellent. Awesome. Yeah, that's. Didn't you nice. have like a broken? Didn't you have to go on crutches up to a high balcony? Is that correct? Wasn't me. That was not you. Somebody did that. that, that was, was it shaggy. John Dawson? Somebody had to do that <laughs> at the Bowie show, but it wasn't, it wasn't me. you. Wasn't me. All right. I went with my sister. We had a good time. All right. Next time we'll be talking about Steely Dan, Asia. <laughs>